Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 100 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. We are finally in triple digits. This, this is weird, because to me, it doesn't feel like anything different, but, you know, this is still a milestone of sorts, obviously. Um it is Bennett and I today. Uh, um, I th- we think Omari fell asleep. That's okay. It is late, so that is understandable. Um, but yes, this is cool to sort of acknowledge what's you know the milestone that we've got here. Normally, I don't really try to pay attention too much to the numbers. I think the only time I paid attention was when what we hit a thousand streams last year. Right. Um, so you know, it's cool to acknowledge. Uh, but obviously there's still work to be done, but uh, still cool to see where we're at, where we came from. I mean, what we were, I think the first episode that we had Bennett on was after the Cowboys game last year. I think. So almost a year ago. Wow. Yeah, shoot. Wait, hold on. Let me see if I can find that. Because I think it was the Cowboys game. Um, shoot, I'm trying to th- remember. We go all the way back. There's the Eagles. There's the Bills. Um, oh, that's a little too far. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got too many episodes now. Yep. Nope. It was that one. October 3rd. Okay. So we were about a month off from that. Um, yeah. Seahawks went in Dallas. Uh, what else was happening? Uh, Mariners season wrapped up. The Sounders beat the Galaxy. The Storm won game one of the finals. The Seattle Dragons were still. Oh, they had a new kickoff date. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's uh cool to think about where we come from and uh, what's still to come from the show here um but with that being said there's a lot to go over of course so we have to get into it uh no seahawks game we are in we had a weird off week considering that there was no fourth week of the preseason um but we did have roster cut down to 53 as normally happens uh, the following players were cut. Defensive tackle Miles Adams. Uh, tight end Ian Bunting. Tackled Tommy Champion. Safety Ashari Crosswell. Linebacker Aaron Donker. Guard Greg Island. Wide receivers Aaron Fuller and Penny Hart. Cornerback Gavin Heslop. Defensive tackle Jared Hewitt. Guard Jared Hawker. Wide receiver Kate Johnson. Running back Josh Johnson. Guard Pierre-Olivier Lestage. Center Brad Lundblade, tight end Taylor Mabry, safety Joshua Moon, cornerback John Reed, linebacker John Radigan, uh, wide receiver Darius Robin Rob Roberson Jr., cornerback Will Wonderland, that's hmm. tight end Cam Sutton, wide receivers Cody Thompson, Travis Tavoynen, and Connor Weddington, and linebacker Lakeem Williams. So uh, you know a lot of guys released their but there, you know, there was that weird, like, I don't even know what to call it, weird off week um, since there was no fourth week of the preseason. So things did change. As on September 1st, uh, the team 
claimed center Dakota Shepley and cornerback Nigel Warrior off of waivers. So two positions that the team kind of could use help at, considering that what seems like uh, postage has fallen off the face of the earth um, with that hamstring injury. Um, And cornerback, you know, cornerback is something that we will have a few more mentions about. Uh, So, and then as well as on September 1st, the team signed 14 players to the practice squad. Uh, defensive tackle Miles Adams, linebacker Aaron Donker, guard Greg Island, wide receivers Aaron Fuller and Penny Hart, defensive tackle Jared Hewitt, wide receiver Kate Johnson, running back Josh Johnson, guard Pierre Olivier Lestage, tight end Taylor Mabry, defensive tackle Robert and Candici, uh, cornerback John Reed, linebacker John Radigan, and wide receiver Cody Thompson. So that's always the thing with initial cuts is that. A lot of guys come back on practice squad and, you know, <clears throat> even if they start the season on practice squad, there was some guy, Oh, with the new practice squad rules where you can be activated the day of a game, you know, more than likely they might see the field. And I know that happened a couple times. It's essentially like an extension of the main roster. Excuse me. Um, also on that day, the trade for Sidney Jones was made official. The former Husky standout cornerback was acquired from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the interesting to see how what earlier they traded for John Reed. John Reed was later was released off initial cuts and then brought back on practice squad. And then the team traded for Sidney Jones, which I'm happy with. I've wanted the Seahawks to end up with a Husky DB for a while, you know, like a Byron Murphy, like a Buddha Baker back in the day. Well, I say back in the day, back when he was drafted, you know, um, but I'm happy with acquiring Sidney Jones now um, for just a sixth round pick from the Jaguars. That's, you know, uh, I think that'll pay dividends. I'm not saying it'll completely solve the cornerback situation, but that is, I believe that will be helpful. Um, and then also on that day, safety Quandre Diggs said that he's not holding in. The starting free safety stated that he is not holding in as he is just getting some things cleared up financially, and he expects to be back at practice pretty soon. Huh, doesn't that just mean you're holding in? Hey, man, he said he's not. I just, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it was weird because it sounded almost like it was like he was restructuring a bonus or something. Um, right. His situation was unique because I don't I know his contract's up at the end of the year, but it didn't seem like he was like looking for an extension right now. So that was his situation is weird because like with with Jamal and Dwayne Brown, they both they're looking for an extension. I haven't heard that kind of same thing with Diggs. Diggs seems more like I don't know. His situation is unique. On September 2nd, the team signed cornerback jake luton to the active roster who is a marysville native uh they signed cornerback michael jackson to the practice squad they placed tackle cedric Oboehi on ir signed tight end mike mark vital uh he's a former baylor basketball player he was part of last season's championship team and he has not played football since middle school so another uh hooper turned football player in the NFL. We'll see how that goes. Um, I think the Washington football team signed a guy also 
who was a basketball player hadn't played football. It's really interesting to me to think about that, you know, because if you haven't played football since middle school, you know, I get it. You're a big body, you know, you're an athlete, you know, some things will automatically translate, but that's still got to be, a, you know, you're pro now all of a sudden, regardless of, you know, if you're in the practice squad or not, you're a pro. So I wonder how much of a learning curve goes into that and how, you know, some guys might just pick it up like that. And some guys might struggle. I guess that what defines whether some of these guys, you know, were watching the games and they tell you how they had a basketball background or otherwise it's just, they turn up being cut and that's just how it goes. That will be an interesting situation to follow just because of the injury to Kobe Parkinson and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe Mark turns out, you know, uh, September 3rd, the team traded cornerback Akello Witherspoon to the Steelers for a 2023 fifth round pick. So it became evident that the Seahawks did not agree uh, with what Witherspoon said earlier in the offseason that when he was healthy, he's the best cornerback in the league uh, as they shipped him off to Pittsburgh for a fifth rounder. Um, it's an interesting situation, Bennett, just because of the fact that, you know, the, the state of the cornerback position, you know, and I mean, at least what I thought, you know, in the off season, when we signed him, he would have been a guy that might've made some plays uh, if he was able to stay healthy. But I guess if he fell out of favor already in the preseason, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to say, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable saying that maybe there was an injury. I'm not comfortable saying any of that, but I would say that it is, a particularly partic I hate saying that word on a podcast, dude. It's just fucking hard to say. Particularly. Um, particularly it is a particularly interesting situation with him, you know, because we brought him on and it was pretty apparent that we were expecting huge things out of him. And I don't know if that ended up being the case where perhaps that they were just expecting too much. Or he couldn't deliver on certain things. It's really hard to tell in a situation like this. Um, but I will say that the move came as a pretty big surprise. Yeah, no. Well, I don't think you can necessarily any uh, rule out injuries like that. Just because there's so many times where like after the season you'll hear about a guy who had an injury and he just didn't say anything about it. like I think Brady what I think Brady said he had some injury this season he but he didn't reveal it until this offseason you know yeah so, but also like quarterbacks just be saying that sometimes yeah I wonder how much of that's just like oh yeah I was injured you know so I don't know I don't think you can rule out a dude actually being injured and they're just like yeah I mean you know we can't do anything with this and then they moved on. So I don't know. I had hopes for him, but I, I guess they he fell out of favor or they just didn't see any what they liked. I mean, with the state that he's played, and Bennett can probably attest to this, but if you got if your roster spot was taken by Trey Flowers, it's probably not a good thing. I mean, so now that's not to say uh, you know, Trey didn't have some sort of career regenesis this off season. Uh, I saw that laugh. 
but I am um, having a hard time thinking that's the case. So, you know, ultimately, at least from now, I mean, maybe he'll prove us wrong throughout the season, but it doesn't look good for Mr. Witherspoon. But, I mean, again, we can see. We'll just have to see how it plays out, and maybe we'll hear more about it in the future. Um, the team also on that day signed guard Phil Haynes to the practice squad. To me, Phil Haynes is a dark horse guy for the center position. I've liked Phil since the Packers playoff game a while ago when he stepped in, you know, from being on the practice squad all season and then stepped in in the playoff game and played okay. Was injured last year and played a little bit of center in training camp. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm rooting for the guy, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see about that. And then on September 4th, uh, the team signed – uh cornerback Bleshon Austin, which I've never heard anybody named Bleshon, let alone if you condense the name, you could call him Bless. So this team signed cornerback Bless Austin. Apparently he was supposed to be a starting cornerback for the Jets this year, but was cut in uh uh you know roster cuts. So uh, that's I know another guy that we're taking a chance on similar to Witherspoon. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Our, our cornerback situations, like we've got DJ Reed, uh, Trey Brown, Trey Flowers, uh, Bless Austin, Sidney Jones, John Reed's on the practice squad. Who? Oh, Nigel Warrior. So that's oh, what an interesting group. What an interesting group. And then I, I don't know. I, I've seen calls for the team to sign Sherman, but I think I think now what they're just waiting to see how his situation plays out, right? You know. So we have, we have a really interesting cornerback group this year so far. I mean, obviously Schneider's pulled off trades before the season started, right? But the way it sits right now is is certainly interesting to think about. Um, September 6th, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and Nick Ballore were all nominated as team captains for the year. Uh, and Dwayne Brown ended his six week hold in. The team does not plan on giving the five time all pro, no, five time Pro Bowl offensive lineman extension before the season. And he is expected to play versus the Colts. Uh, in league related news, KJ Wright signed with the Raiders. So I can finally take off this sticky note that I've had on my desk where both you and Omari said that he would not resign with the Seahawks. So you guys were right. Yeah, but it doesn't feel awesome. No, it sucks. I mean, and then we haven't seen the details of the contract. So I don't know. I'm waiting to then to see what I want to know why the team felt so inclined to not sign him, you know? Cause I again, mean, but uh, also, you know, like I think a factor that I think a person who might be on the outside looking in, obviously, obviously that's everybody in sports media, right? That's you. That's me. That's seven ten. That's KJR who, what have you. We don't know what the decision really might've been based around. You could easily say it's money, but as you were saying, I mean, that might not be the case. I think it's honestly a respect thing for KJ. We got this guy, Jordan Brooks, making his way up. Why would we make one of the best players to ever touch our team 
in the last 10 years play second fiddle to him, right? Yeah. And honestly, at the end of the day, it becomes player development. You want you want him, KJ, to be successful, but you also want Jordan Brooks to get some playing time. Yeah. The roster just doesn't have space for the both of them. You know, in theater, and I'm going to do this, in theater, it's not always about who's the best actor in the room, you know? It's about who fits the role, who fits the cast. Right now, KJ just doesn't fit the cast. And I think it was really a respect thing to say, you know what? I think we're okay with letting you walk. Thank you for your time in Seattle. You want to be a starter. You want starter money. We don't necessarily want to give that to you right now. Not because you're not quality, but because we got this young guy we're really excited about. So, you know, I would have loved for him to finish his career here, but... And maybe that's still in the cards. You never know. But I wouldn't of- doubt it. I wouldn't doubt, you know, when is when he's done, probably a few years down the road, he – a few years, I don't know. He just signed the one day. Because, I mean, when you look back at KJ Wright's career, he's going to be a Seahawk, you know. I mean, the guy was – the guy's a legend. The guy is a Seattle legend. So, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. You know, when you've got a guy that Jordan Brooks, who the team sort of seems to rave about, you know, and I'm excited to see him play. But like you were saying, you know, with a guy like that who spent his career with the team and has been a consummate professional, you it's not like, all right, man, I need you to just sit and watch. That mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense. So that definitely, what you said, it, it raises a good point. And that's probably more than likely what it was. Because uh, in his conference today, he said, you know, they talked, him and P. Carroll talked, and he said it was all love. So that must have been the situation. They said, hey, we're going to live, we give Jordan Brooks a lot of run this year. All right. So, you know, more than likely, we might not have you on the field as much. KJ was probably like, hey, that's fine, but I, I can't do that. So I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to get my money. That's probably what happened. And that's all right. Um, So best of luck to KJ. It just sucks because now I have a KJ right jersey that won't make sense this year. I got to say, during my time on this podcast, this is probably the hardest departure it wasn't as bad as like a Marshawn or a Sherm. Cause I mean, those guys were legends in their own right. And that, I mean, Sherm, there was a lot of complication there, but you know, this is like, this is like, this is like Iron Man, you know, this is like, we expected it. We knew it was coming, but man, is it still hard. And it'll be weird not seeing a 50 out there. I mean, I wonder if anybody even wears it this year. I mean, even too, if you think about Bobby, how Bobby always talked about if there's no, you know, I think what was the quote? He said, if there's no KJ, there's no Bobby about how he's the way he is now. So, you know, he had an effect on this team and he was a leader on this team. I think he was the, oh yeah, he was the only Seahawk, you know, when he was on the team to have worn the older uniform. Mm -hmm. Jesus. So, you know, a big thank you to KJ Wright, you know, not only on the field, but also what he's done in the community here in the area and just for being a consummate professional. So, shoot, shoot, man. That'll be that'll be weird not having someone like him to rely on. But let's see what Jordan Brooks does this year um, in coronavirus. Huh? Let's get the COVID stuff. Let's get to the nitty nasty. Uh, and coronavirus updates around the league, which I have not touched on in a while. 
Uh, for final roster cutdowns, Urban Meyer of the Jacksonville Jaguars stated that vaccine status was a factor in the team's final roster decisions. And then the next day, the team itself issued a statement that no players were released due to their vaccine status. So interesting to see how that's going. Um, apparently with Cam Newton, that was a factor as well, not having, you know, taken the vaccine and his, you know, his availability since he's unvaccinated was, you know, something that came into question. And that is apparently playing a factor in why uh, he hasn't been signed yet. As some teams are nervous that he's unvaccinated and his availability could be in question. And also, bro, I mean, like, I don't know, that type of shit bewilders me. First off, how spineless from the Jaguars organization, but I expect nothing less from a poverty franchise. Um, Cam Newton, though, man, what are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> like I get. Okay, listen, I get it. There is vaccine hesitancy, particularly with African Americans, but we've gotten to the point where where there's so much information available now, right? And they're they're sociologically, you know, on that level. This is this is the real thing. This is a sure thing, you know. And I mean, Cam, bro, no one's going to want to sign you. No one's going to want you in their building. How are you even going to fly anywhere, dude? Like, you can still fly first class, but they're still going to be like, all right, let's see that vaccine card. You'll be like, no. And they'll be like, well, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Sorry. Keep your mask on the whole flight, I guess. But as we continue to move into this pseudo post-pandemic world, it's going to be really hard for you to get signed by a team. And if you do, it's going to be a team that doesn't really want you there. I don't know. Kind of like the new England Patriots. So if you want that situation again, cam go right ahead, dude. Yeah. Weird. Weird to see how that's it's become a thing. Now it's become a thing that is uh, affecting more than just, you know, how you interact with fans on Twitter, AKA Cole Beasley doing such a thing like that. So Interesting to see how that is affecting the league, uh, you know, obviously in cuts, but again, how it'll probably affect game days. There will probably be some games this year that are affected by that. So um, speaking of game days, the Seahawks look to their week one matchup on September 12th at the Indianapolis Colts starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Week one is what? By the time this comes out, what, five days away? So we have we have gone through summer we have to deal with the seahawks again we are we are back to it we've got a new offensive coordinator we've got some new offensive weapons we've got an interesting retooled defense jamal adams is back fans will be back so man we're getting back to it um getting into summer and the team that's carried us through the summer the Seattle Mariners played uh, some two home games and then what was it? One, two, three, four, four road games. Uh, the first two games were against Houston at home. August 31st versus the Astros was a four to nothing win off of a second baseman. Abraham Toro's two hits, one run and four RBIs. His go ahead grand slam off of Kendall Graveman in the eighth inning would win the game it is the first time ever that a player that was traded a player hit a uh i don't know if it was a grand slam or just a homer 
we're going to say Grand Slam, hit a Grand Slam off of the player that they were traded for. Uh, and it'll be history. Oh, very cool. Wow. Um, it was just interesting for me because I was heading back to my stand at the stadium. And I'm like, these guys are going to have to hit up. They're going to have to face each other. And I go, I'm walking back and I go, what if it's a Grand Slam? Sure enough. Mr. Toro launches a ball into right center field and the Mariners won that game. Um, then on September 1st versus the Astros, the team would win one to nothing, which is something that you probably won't see very often against the Astros at all. Uh, play the game. Would, I have to give it to Toro again. Uh, technically he did not have a hit in this game, but he had an RBI and a walk. His RBI would come off of a sack, pl- of, a sack fly that would score JP Crawford for the go ahead run. Uh, and give the Mariners the lead. You could also give Paul Seawald player of the game honors here as he came in back-to-back nights to, well, back-to-back games uh, to finish off the Astros. Uh, big shout-out to Paulie Seawald there. Um, but impressive two games against the Astros there to win the series against Houston as well. Uh, then the team would go on the road to face the Arizona Diamondbacks down in the desert. On September 3rd, they would be the Diamondbacks 6-5 to five in 10 innings. Player of the game would be center fielder Jared Kelnick with two hits, one run, and three RBIs. On September 4th, in the second game of the series against the Diamondbacks, the team would win 8-5. to five. Player of the game would be third baseman Kyle Seeger with two hits, two runs, six RBIs, hitting two three-run homers. Seeger is now one, uh, one six-RBI game behind Griffey for the franchise record. Griffey has four six-RBI games. Um that was wild to Kyle Seager, man. I mean, I get it. I know that he's kind of at the pace right now where he's like, you know, an out or a homer, but at least for me with the impact that I know that he has on this ball club and this young ball club right now, I think you have to pick up that option. I mean, if you just read about the way that the players talk about him and the knowledge base that he gives them, if you're going to make the playoffs and, you know, again, with the way that this team is battling right now and, you know, barring um, some unforeseen, you know, negative turnover next year, you know, the inevitability that they make the playoffs next year. Um, I think that having that experience of a Kyle Seeger is extremely valuable and having that presence is extremely valuable. So, you know, at least if I were pulling the strings, that would be the move I would have to make. I don't care how much his option is. I would do it. Um, and then the final game of the series against Arizona in a, the team would win in a 10 to four, 11 inning uh, game, which is interesting because you think 10 to four, you wouldn't really think would be in 11 innings, but <laughs> that's how it was. Um, you could probably give it to a couple of guys, but I went for Toro here with two hits, one run, two RBIs and a walk just because he kind of filled the stat sheet up there. Um, and then September 6th at the Astros in the first of a few games uh, in, the, in the series against the Astros on the road, uh, the team would lose 11-2. to Sigh. Uh, play of the game, I'd give it to Toro again with two hits, two RBIs, and a walk. That was just an ugly game. Didn't start off well. Yeah, uh, bad taste. I don't know. It seems like we, when we go down to Houston, things just don't end well. I mean, when we play up here, it's fine. You know, uh, what was it? The Dylan Moore game where he hit the Grand Slam and then the last series. But 
down in Houston, things things aren't good. <laughs> um, so for my player of the week, I picked J.P. Crawford. Uh, in his last six games played, he had uh, 24 at-bats, uh, 10 hits, 7 runs, a double, 2 RBIs, 11 total bases, 5 walks, um, a 417 average, a 517 on base percentage, a 458 slugging, and a 976 on base plus slugging. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to see JP return to that, you know, guy that's always a prime leadoff spot, right? Because what was it? He had a really good June, and then he's kind of slowed down a little bit. Ty Francis sort of taken on the mantle of the guy who's in front of the club. Right. But, um, you know, especially, you know, coming up with September here, it'll be really huge for, you know, to kind of have all guys firing off on all cylinders. I mean, Kyle Seeger has had some big home runs as of late. Uh, but even then he's got a one sixty average in the last seven days. Mitch has kind of slowed down. I know he had a homer the other day. Toro's, Fine, Mar- Marmo. <clears throat> he had that homer the other day. Cal Raleigh has just been struggling in his last four games. He has ten at bats and he has no hits. Uh, Luis is all right. Dylan Moore struggling a little bit, and then I like how it shows me all the pitchers' batting averages. I don't need to see that. Um, but yeah, I would have to go with JP Crawford. Uh, long story short, Bennett, how about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Marmo. Not Marmo. I blew that one. Toro. Uh, I read the wrong I was like, I wow. What I read the wrong name fully. Um, Toro's just having, he's having not like the most amazing seven game span, but I would say, like you said, he is filling the stat sheet out. I, I you know, it's tempting to go after Seeger, right? Because he is putting on the wolf's share of the RBIs, right? But at the same time, you know, Toro's nipping at his heels with a better average and also, um, I mean, he's just a little more consistent of a hitter. <clears throat> Maybe not as much of a power hitter, but he is, you know, consistent, and I'll give him that. So seven RBIs, uh, three three walks, four strikeouts, a stolen base mixed in there. Um, 22 at bats for a 273 average, not bad. His on base percentage, I wish was were a little better. Uh, it's 370, you know, better than Seeger, obviously. Seeger, who's sitting at a pretty dismal 160 in the last seven days, or pardon me, 250 in the last uh seven days. But I don't know, Toro is interesting to me. Because particularly this week, he had a lot of moments in the in games where he would come in the clutch or he'd come in at just the right moment to make the right move. So I'm going to give it to him. And I don't think you can go wrong with that. It's been, I think he's got the most homers in the AL since the break, and he's got his most homers in the season. Yeah. So again, I go back to what I was saying. If it, if, if I'm in charge, I would have to pick up his option. Um, so getting down to the nitty gritty stats here, the team's current record is 75 and 63. When, when can you go back and, you know, say that, you know, early September, you think would be however many games, what was that? 12, 12 games above 500. Did you, you know, 
Incredible. Definitely. Incredible. Um, the team is second in the AOS, second right now, which is good. It's a good thing. We are three games out of the second wild card spot behind uh, the Red Sox, but we are behind Toronto because of the win percentage right now. Um, so the loss tonight hurt. And, you know, fortunate to jump over Houston in the wild, the uh, division. But obviously, you know, with the way things are going, well, the latest things went last night in Houston. You don't want that to continue. Uh, we shift into injury news. Uh, on September 3rd, it was announced that Kyle Lewis suffered a setback in his recovery due to knee soreness. He is not currently ready to go on a rehab assignment. The team wants Lewis to be 100% before they let him return to the field, even if it is in a full-time DH capacity. So that sucks. Um, I mean, if you know me, I'm a big Kyle Lewis guy. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to want this guy's health. You don't want to screw him over and just ship him out there and you know get him playing regardless of how good he's not he feels or not so i mean a healthy kyle lewis will help this ball club right now but if he's not healthy there's no point you know uh team news on september 1st it was announced that both jerry depoto and manager scott service signed multi-year contract extensions the details of how long those contract extensions are have not been released but the last two extensions that they got were three years each um so i don't know if that's an indication of what they got um the poto was also promoted to president of baseball operations and there's been no corresponding move to name another gm so i'm imagining that the poto wears both hats now both gm and president of baseball operations so um also on the first left-hander Justice Sheffield was reinstated from the 10-day IL and infielder Kevin Padlow was recalled from the AAA from AAA Tacoma to fill out the two September call-up spots. Um interesting to see Justice in a relief uh role. I mean, it hasn't played bad. I don't remember what he did tonight. Um I can check it out, but at least in the games I've seen, he he hasn't been bad in relief. I've I've kind of been surprised. Um, if I look at the box score here, uh, oh, we gave up two runs tonight. One earned though, on four hits. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, he was all right in the other games he's pitched, but interesting to see the the role that Justice has carved himself into, and you know how long that might last. Uh, September 2nd, right-hander Jimmy Yacobonis was outrighted Triple A Tacoma. September 4th, right-handed pitcher Diego Castillo and left-hander Anthony Masevich were both reinstated from the 10 to IL. So those arms will help with this bullpen. It's always good to have our guys healthy, obviously, um, especially with having to use uh, Seawald and Steckenrider and Sadler a lot. God, think about that. You've got a bullpen of Castillo, Masevich, Sadler, Swanson, uh, Seawald, Steckenrider, Sheffield. Who else am I missing? Am I missing somebody? I don't think so. Johan Ramirez, Sean Doolittle, and Matt Andres. God, look at all those guys. Brilliant. So, you know, as we continue through September, it would be huge to have everybody healthy. I mean, think think if we are where we're at now, Bennett, with, you know, if we had Kyle Lewis healthy the whole time, James if we had Paxton. James Paxton healthy the whole time, 
<sighs> Sigh. That's something that we'll have to think about after the season is whether or not Paxton comes back. Because I'm pretty I, sure I gotta, I gotta I gotta think he's considering his baseball career as a whole. Yeah, I mean, especially with what he's had to deal with throughout his career. You know, and he's uh, sneaking up on like 38, I think. Right? He's like 35, I think. He's pretty up there. I like how you said 38 and you went to 35. How uh, old is James he's Paxton? 32. He's what? 32. He's only 32, huh? Uh, yeah, but with his injuries, he's sneaking up on 38. Yeah, okay. Um, in other notes and around the league, uh, concession workers at the Oracle Park in San Francisco for the Giants voted to strike, citing concerns oh. over COVID-19. Wow. So if the concession workers are striking, that tells you something about how they're handling things down there, I guess. Um, Getting back to our Mariners, so, you know, obviously the way we've been talking about it, this is a big month, uh, and this next stretch of games is no different. So September 7th and 8th, the team finishes out the series down in Houston, um, both on the road there. The, both of those games are huge. I mean, I think, I, think, I think I can just skip any of that and just say that all of the games throughout the rest of the season are huge, right? Um, September 10th, 11th, and 12th, the team comes back home to play the Diamondbacks here at home. And, you know, again, well, not again. I will say this. I'm not going to say Arizona's any good, but also they obviously aren't a team that we're just going to step over, I assume, right? So you need to take care of business there because then on September 13th, the Red Sox come to town. And I don't know if Xander Bogarts will be good to go, but I still know they got Alex Verdugo and J.D. Martinez and freaking Kyle Schwarber. And that's a team that, you know, at this current moment, is sitting in second in the wild card and taking the spot that we want. So that'll be a big series as well here uh, down in T-Mobile Park. So uh, a big month of September up for our Mariners. And yes, uh, as Bennett and I discussed, it is stressful to think about, but it's still exciting. It really is exciting. Um, and I'm excited to see the energy that we have in the stadium when they get back. I am excited. I hope that uh, we're able to get a lot of people out within safe parameters, obviously, as there are COVID cases mounting due to the unvaccinated. Um, but like the crowds that we were seeing, what, in July, where people were really amped up, um, even even the crowd in that other game, uh, when Seawall closed it up in that one-out win, no one-out win against Houston, um, you can tell they love it when they've got the crowd in it. You know, it's, it's something that's so exciting. And I really do not know how this city will react when the team gets that playoff berth. Um, so again, if you've got the time, please come out. It is incredible. And having that crowd noise is just something like no other. There really is nothing like it. Um, getting into things that there aren't much like uh, Homs. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Uh, I would go and support race. He is kind of busy right now with the football season being back, but uh, I don't think there's anything new at the moment out, but there's always something cool to support on Homs and it's a good cause uh, that the proceeds go to that most of the proceeds go to. Uh, so I would go and check that out. It is Homs Seattle, H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. Homs Seattle, go and check it out. 
getting into the Seattle Sounders, they did not play a game this past week. They had essentially the week off. So neither of the teams that play uh, regularly in Lumen Field had a game. Uh, injury news. Uh, knew who was on track to be fully recovered for the September 11th, a match against Minnesota, as well as Stephen Fry could return to the starting lineup for September 11th. Those are two potentially big, you know, guys to have back. Knew who was ready to be back in the doubleheader match against Portland. But I think Coach Metru said in the press conference right about when they were getting ready to put him on, Portland scored and they needed to be more in an attack mode. So that kind of hindered that. So he should be go good to go for September 11th against Minnesota. Uh, and A.B. Sissoko suffered a nasty neck injury while playing with the Tacoma Defiance. He will be reevaluated this coming week by the club's medical staff, but in his Instagram story after the game, he gave a thumbs up and seemed like he was fine. So that's a good sign. But anytime we're talking about neck injuries, it's always pretty scary you don't really want to mess with the neck um that is that spooky so it's good to good to see that uh soko was he seemed fine um team notes five sounders were called into the world cup qual qualifiers uh brad smith with australia javier arriega with ecuador raul Ruiz diaz with peru christian roldan with usa and alex roldan with el salvador the team's record sits at 12 wins, six draws, and four losses. They are first in the Western Conference by one point. That is not good. <laughs> Would like to obviously widen the gap there. Uh, second in the MLS in points with 42 behind New England. And New England has 53 points, which is just outlandish. I don't know how New England is as good as they are this year. Um, looking ahead for the Sounders. Their next match is September 11th versus Minnesota United FC with a 2 p.m. Pacific time kickoff here at Lumen Field. Uh, the Seattle Storm played one game over the past week. It was against the New York Liberty at home on the second. They would win that game 85 to 75. So after a three-game losing stretch for our Storm, which is pretty uncharacteristic, right, Bennett? Um, Absolutely. They were able to take care of business against New York. Um, player of the game would be for Brianna Stewart with 33 points, eight rebounds, five assists, one steal, and two blocks. She's Good to get up. back, huh? Add on to that trophy case, bro. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, if you if you heard last uh episode at all, in the three games that they lost, even when they lost, she was still player of the game each time, just with her stats, which is. I don't know. It's 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 incredible to think about Stewie and her trophy case, and I'll get to it in a second. But the you know, the WNBA unveiling its top twenty five players in twenty five year history, just to think what she's accomplished, you know, and she's only like twenty six, is ridiculous. I mean, twenty six, I believe, twenty seven. My apologies. I mean, still. 27 jesus and super sue bird sue bird is don't say it i'm gonna say 41 40 okay so so say that she continues playing that's 13 years for stewie to add more to that trophy case god knows what she can do in that time 
Jesus Christ. Um, getting back to the news. Uh, injury news, Jordan Canada is dealing with a right knee injury. It is stated as a day-to-day situation. And I say that, but in the press conference, Noel Quinn said that she would not comment on if Canada would be ready for playoffs, which is weird that the injury is classified as day-to-day, right? But head coach Noel Quinn was not exactly clear on whether or not Canada would be good to go for the beginning of playoffs. That is weird to me. I don't know if that's just me thinking that you can, you know, if Bennett, if you think that's normal, you know, let me know. But I think that's interesting and it's weird just because I mean, we don't have to have any indication of the severity of the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, Getting the team notes, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the WNBA unveiled its top 25 players in its 25 year history. Uh, the Storm players that made the list include Sue Bird, Swin Cash, which again, not again. If you think about it, Swin Cash is a pretty damn cool name, especially if you're a basketball player. Your last name is Cash. <laughs> uh, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Katie Smith, Brianna Stewart, Cheryl Swoops, and Tina Thompson. So that's um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of the 25 players played with the Storm the top 25 in NBA history, WNBA history. That's pretty cool. Uh, we are now sitting at a 19 and 10 record. The storm are third in the West and fourth in the league, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, considering where we were at, say pre-Olympics, right. I, I would tell you, we would be steamrolling and we would be top two in the league. Now we're third in the West. So um, the storm very well could end up only with the one week by. I believe it's still if they win out and they get a loss from Minnesota, then they can get the two seed. But Minnesota has been on a roll lately. Um, Let me see. I have to see if so. Um, the upcoming schedule for the storm is September 7th. They play the Washington mystics at home, which will not be any pushover game because Washington has Tina Charles, Natasha cloud and Elena Donna, Elena Deladon is back and healthy. So that is scary to me. They're, they're 10 and 17, but they're still a good team. Um, I have to go to my WNBA app because ESPN is not helpful whatsoever. And then September 12th, the team travels down to LA to play the Sparks. Um, so let's look at it. I need to see when Minnesota plays next. So we play tomorrow. Connecticut probably has the one seed locked up. They're 21 and six. So I, I think the one seed's locked up. Okay. On Wednesday, the 8th, Minnesota plays Las Vegas. That's very well a game they could lose. So there's that game. I mean, this is obviously factoring into that the storm have to win out, right? Um, Minnesota plays Indiana, who's six and 21 on Friday. They could lose that game, but I doubt it. Oh, and then they play Indiana again on Sunday. Yeah, that's not helping out very much. You played two easy teams. Um, Indiana again on 17th. 
dude, what is this? They get to close it out. They effectively get to close out the season. And then they play Washington on the 19th. But they get three games against Indiana. And if you, I feel like if you play three games against a team within a span of nine days, eventually they'll, you know, make up some adjustments. But shoot. Is Indiana though? Yeah, the Indiana's the worst team in the league. So they play the worst team in the league three times. Damn it. I don't know. It can be done. I, I think they will probably I would hope for that they would lose that game against Las Vegas. Because getting that second seed is crucial, mostly because of the fact that you get a two week buy wow. instead of a one week buy. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting to see. Lots of this is like when we're sitting at like week 12 with the Seahawks. And we're like, okay, if the Saints lose here. <laughs> I hate having to think about seeding. It's like, if we could just be the one seed and we wouldn't have to worry about it. would be so ideal, but if only, exactly. Maestro um, Athletics, they just had their end of summer sale. I believe it just ended. If not, let me check just to be sure. We've, uh, man. Bennett, we're in September, man. This is not good. We're getting to... I got classes at the end of the month, man. This is... I'm in classes right now. This is terrible. Yeah, well, the certified summer sale started four days ago. Shorts, $15. They got some shirts for $5. Jeez. Hats, 20 Jesus, look at this. So... Let me see if I still if it's still available on the website. Yeah, the summer sale. Ooh, it ends today. Okay, so if this some of the items are up to fifty percent off, uh, it ends you know September seventh, two thousand twenty one. So you're listening to this right now. Go ahead and take advantage of that. If you're like me, I like taking advantage of cheap things, so I would do that if I were you. Maestro Athletics, M A E S T R O Athletics. Go and check it out. Sale Kraken didn't have anything happen except for that they signed right winger uh, Riley Shahan to a one-year deal. Uh, looking ahead for the Kraken, what's coming up is this isn't a scheduling thing, but sweaters or jerseys for us Americans drop on September 15th. I have been told that they will not be accepting call-in orders. So if you want a sweater... You're going to have to go and get it in person. They're going to have them. Um, I think the best places that you're going to be able to get them are at the South Lake Union store uh, at 901 Fairview Avenue and the Kraken Iceplex, Kraken Community Iceplex up in Northgate. I would say Bellevue, but I've been told that the Bellevue store is tiny, so I would avoid that. Um, Kraken Community Iceplex and South Lake Union. It's, it's tough for me because, you know, I'm wondering how many of these guys, I wonder, if, if, okay, say, if you were getting one, Bennett, would you just get it customized or what would you do? Because, I mean, we don't. Get the uh, 32, you know, 32 with Kraken on the back. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. I'm like. Yeah. I think there's a player that's 32, but I was like, are you going for somebody already? Nah. Uh, that would make sense. That would make sense. I get that. I get that. 
Uh, I just want to see now if there is a 32. Um, there is not. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't be uh, meshing with any players. There you go. Um, that's exciting, though. Jeez, man. We're going to have a hockey team. Wow. We're going to have to start talking about hockey. Goals and periods. I don't like how they say periods. Why can't it be quarters? Ugh. Can't be normal. That is true. Thirds? Yeah, but that sounds dumb. It does sound dumb. But, I mean, periods sound... Periods make sense. Like, in this period. Yeah. Whatever. We'll learn. Um, The oil rain. The oil rain continue to stay hot here. Which is... oh. Great for me, considering that earlier in the season, uh, about a fourth of the way in, they were not doing too hot. Uh, September 1st at the Houston Dash, they would win in a one to nothing contest uh, off of the back of player of the game, Bethany Bowser and her one goal on two shots, two on target. So very efficient game for boats there. Uh, and then September 4th at Racing Louisville FC, the team would draw one to one. Player of the game would be, again, Bethany Bowser with one goal on three shots, two on target. Um, it, it brings us to the interesting fact that Bethany Balser leads the NWSL in goals with eight. And so if you take her initials, Bethany Balser, and eight goals, it gives us the wonderful nickname of BB-8. I feel like we're... we're <laughs> it's also funny because Crocs, she tweets at Crocs a lot and she wants a sponsorship and you'd figure that I don't know. If you were them, you'd want to jump on something like that. I don't know. Funny little thing there. Uh, But Bethany has been on a tear. The team comes out of their three games in six days stretch with two wins and a draw. And they are currently third in the NWSL. Um, It's amazing to think because they were, I think earlier in the season, we were second to last. And now we have jumped all the way up to third tied with North Carolina uh but North Carolina has a tiebreaker um because we tied with North Carolina in the first game of the season and lost on the road to them um man third i did not think about that clearing away third too because the fourth place Orlando Pride have 25 points and we have 29 uh shoot and then you know next week um, or this upcoming week, if we beat, if we win and get the three points, and Portland loses, which is doubtful because it's fucking Portland. Um, God, who would want to live in Port? Oh wait, Bennett loses. Oh, no. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, if Portland loses and North Carolina loses or draws, then the rain jump up the first. Think about that. So exciting. I'm excited. I'm happy. Um. The injury report against Houston was just Rosie White was out with an illness. Um, and then, but interesting enough, Megan Rapino did not play against Houston. And then for the injury match against Louisville, uh, Rose, the two players that were out were Rosie White and Megan Rapino with a right thigh. I have not been told anything about uh, Megan Rapino having an injury. Um, it was more so a sort of rest situation. So that could have changed. She could have suffered an injury in training. 
Um, but from what I know, it is more than likely a resting situation. Uh, just, you know, from coming off the Olympics and then jumping into games and playing the full game against uh, Gotham, just a red situation, which you can do with this team, considering that the depth that this team has and there's several different players that this team can mix in on the attacking front. Um, in team news, Angelina was called up to the Brazil women's national team for the September FIFA window. So congratulations to Angelina. Uh, Megan Rapino was named NWSL player of the month for August. So good for Megan. Um, and then both Megan and just Fishlock were named to the NWSL team of the month. Those are two players that have been with this club since the inception. Uh, as they joked on Instagram, two of the, the older players of the group, Megan's 36 and wow, did not think about that. And Jess is 34. So uh, cool to see Megan and Jess get uh, team of the month honors uh, for the NWSL. The team sits at nine wins, two draws and seven losses. Uh, They're third in the league with 29 points. That feels good to say Uh, their next. Oh, league news. So remember what I said about Portland, Bennett? Yeah. The NWSL championship game site and time were announced. Okay. Uh, so they do play it at a neutral site, similar to like the Super Bowl. Uh, well, I say neutral, but obviously, you know, with these, like with like the Super Bowl, you can have a home field advantage, right? If what Tampa Bay played at home last year, right? The Tampa Bay played at home. Yes. Which is weird enough. Like the first Super Bowl one. At home. At home, yeah. Um, when I say that because Portland is hosting this year's NWSL championship game uh, in Providence Park. Uh, it's in November. Um, November 20th. But so November 20th, if you if you go over your calendar here, right? You go to November, it's a Saturday. Think what else plays on Saturday. plays on Saturday. College football plays on Saturday. Ooh. So they're hosting it on a Saturday and take take a wild guess and assume when the kickoff time is. I don't know. 5 p.m.? 9 a.m. What? Yeah. So they're playing this championship game on a Saturday in college football season on a Saturday, you couldn't have picked oh, well, Sunday. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Um, they're playing on a turf field and that's nothing against Providence park because I'm cold. It's a nice, it's a nice facility. I just don't like Portland soccer wise. And they're starting at 9am. So if you're media, say if I were, you know, in a dream world, or an ideal world, I'm cleared for media for that. In the rain, get there. Mm-hmm. I have to be in the build. I will not. I have to, but I, I get there on time. I'm in the building at like seven thirty. This is it's insane. And then and then the players. I mean, they got to wait. And the in the people that set up the stadium, and the people around the world that are watch. Well, not that you know the league should get more. Uh, more spotlight from the people, the different people that are watching. Again, if you're on the East Coast, then it starts at noon, and that's that not that horrible. 
you know um but if you're on the west coast you know 9 a.m how how often are you up at 9 a.m on a normal day how often am i up on 9 a.m on a normal day well considering it's saturday never okay then tells you that so that's that's just another case of the nwsl making a boneheaded decision uh you know it's it's troubling because if you look at the wnba they do a lot of good things um they always seem to be in front of you know you know the issues that are facing in real life um and they 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 do have some issues with promoting certain players over others right that's a topic for a different date but they do a better job with their league than the nwsl does and it's just like you know you've got some of the top soccer players in the world and i mean okay if we look at christine sinclair of the thorns in portland she's the top international goal scorer of all time in any soccer because ronaldo hit the top uh men's soccer international goals but he only cracked 10th in total between men and women's christine sinclair is number one with 184 goals you know these top players in the world play with the league that doesn't support them finds them if they criticize terrible officiating, which I've seen it before. It's bad officiating. And in, in with Washington, the spirit, which funny enough, who are the rain play next, but the spirit on September 12th. Um, oh yeah. They've had vaccine issues. So there's questions about whether or not our game will be played on the 12th because of uh, certain players being unvaccinated. All of the rain players are vaccinated by the way. Um. So are all of Portland players to just go one step further. Um, yeah, it's it's concerning that there's the the NWSL makes some really interesting decisions, um, and it's frustrating just because it's the pro the pro league for women in soccer in this country, and you know they deserve much better. So frustrating, but yeah, uh, Bennett, can you just give me your summarized thoughts on the uh, start time for that game? I. Uh, you're putting it at a uh, low market time slot and you're not setting these people up to succeed when they deserve it just as much as any other league in the United States, perhaps even more. And this is no like, like random exhibition game. This is a champion. This is the championship game. If they put the Super Bowl at any other time slot than a prime time, you know, instance, you'd be looking at outrage for months. Yeah, so that's you can you can get my frustration, right? So you know, uh, no supersonics news. We'll still be waiting for that. Uh, no crap, no dragons news. Uh, UW athletics. Oh boy, I don't want to talk about it, but I have to. Uh, in Pac-12 and general college news, the Pac-12 announced that it will not expand at this time. Uh, the conference released a statement saying that it does not plan on adding any universities at this time. The 12 team college football playoff is in jeopardy. Uh, the WVU president doubts that the big 12, big 10 or PAC 12 will vote to expand the playoff amid conference realignment uncertainty. Uh, football. Oh boy. So if you follow college football in Washington at all, you know what happened already. Uh in week one of the college football season, your Washington Huskies lost seven to thirteen to the Montana Grizz. 
the Huskies have not lost to Montana since 1920. Whoa! It is the first time that a Pac-12 team has been held to under 10 points. No, it's the lowest scoring game uh, by a Pac-12 team uh, playing an FCS opponent since uh, 1985. It was uh, poor performance, offensive and defensive. Um, Normally, you know, in past years, when one side of the ball has a bad time, usually I can point to the other side. But, uh, man, I just... It was weird because the offense came out and scored pretty quickly. They, on their first drive, they came out and scored a touchdown. You know, good, perfect, fine. Um, and then, so there was the second score of the game came on a field goal for Montana at 7.08 left in the first quarter, right? And then the next score didn't come until 10.35 left in the fourth. What a just brutal game. I just so frustrating uh so for washington dylan morris had 46 passing attempts and only 27 completions on three interceptions oh goodness and three sacks oh goodness at least he had 226 passing yards yay uh richard newton had 69 rushing yards on 17 attempts um dylan morris had the only rushing touchdown of the game which was a QB sneak. Uh, this is where we get to the interesting part for receiving, right? So Jalen Polk suffered a chest injury on the first play of the game, and he is out for the rest of the season after receiving emergency surgery. Oof. Terrell Bynum, Jalen McMillan, and Rome Adunze are all week to week. UW is down to three scholarship receivers on the roster. Gracious. So leading in receiving was tight end Kate Otten. We love Cade. Cade's a great guy. Uh, we did an t- interview with him earlier in the year. But, um, I mean, it puts you in a precarious situation when you're down to three scholarship wide receivers on the roster. Uh, Cade led receiving with 82 yards on eight receptions. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, Jackson Sermon. Led the team in tackles with nine total tackles, six solo, three assists. Uh, Cooper McDonald had a sack for four yards. There were no forced fumbles and no interceptions for the defense. Uh, Race Porter had five punts for 225 yards, a 45-yard average, and a 52-yard long. Two in the 20-yard line. Good for uh, for Race. (laughs) Oh, and Peyton Henry missed his only field goal attempt. In the second quarter. Ah, so now we know who the best kicker on the team is. Yeah, I mean Bennett. This is this was upsetting. This was just embarrassing. This just sounds like I mean, what? When's the last time the Huskies were like truly good? Twenty eighteen? Seventeen, maybe? Wait, hold um, on. It's funny wait. because uh today um uh, I went to Goodwill. And I found a mug from the playoff semifinal game. Huh. Peach Bowl. That was, oh, it doesn't say the year. I guess we'll have to find out. I will just Google it. 
But yeah, I think the last year you can say that we were good, good was, uh, well, I mean, we made the Rose Bowl against Ohio State in 2019. That was good, right? It was 2016, yep. That was 16? Yeah. Oh, it was, shoot. So, we, I mean, we had, you know, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a precarious situation because I like Jimmy Lake, and I want to like Jimmy Lake, okay? But, I mean, even last year in the pandemic season, I think all of our wins were come from behind wins. So that's, a. I mean, Jimmy Lake is a defensive coach, and that factors into who you're hiring on offense. John Donovan, his offense has had to come back in those three games, and they didn't come back in this game. And what do we talk about, you know, I think we talked about it last year, and you know this to be true. If your offense comes out and lays a giant turd, your defense has to keep going out. And what happens to your defense? I mean, it's got to work its ass off to maintain the game. And they get tired. Yep. So at the end of the day, it's going to be a lose-lose. So, I mean, obviously you're not a UW guy, but I'm sure you can see the frustration here. You know, you lose to Montana for the first time since 19-fucking-20. You lose to an FCS opponent in week one in a season that's been hyped up. You know, I it, it's interesting. Someone made an interesting comment. They've been hyping up the return, and they keep saying the greatest setting in college football. I like Husky Stadium as much as anybody. But someone made a good point. Why are you hyping up the stadium as opposed to the actual players that play in the building? Does that not seem a little bit weird? Well, I mean, it's you got to market something. And if you don't have any all-stars on your team, and I guess that shows the confidence that the, that the team has in its players. I know it's also tough, too, when you're playing without, you know, basically all your starting wide receivers. Um, but it, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated and it, especially too, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, and, or when we see, I think it's a matter of when we see Sam here, <laughs> five-star recruit quarterback, a guy who did have some flashes in camp this off season. I know he's a freshman, but Hey, freshmen have performed before. Right. So, mm. um, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just, this is kind of a, I mean, it's not the same scale, right? But this is kind of akin to the same shock slash disappointment feeling I felt as soon as I saw that ball get thrown in the goal line. I was, I was not mad. I was not crying. I was just shocked. I'm like trying to process that. I just don't have words. I'm just disappointed, you know? So, uh, and it, it's not like things get any easier next week because September 11th, your Washington Huskies go to play Michigan in the big house at 5 p.m. on ABC in Ann Arbor. How that's going to go, I don't know. But obviously, because this is circling Seattle sports, we have to tell you. So we will see how that goes. UW versus Michigan and John Harbaugh. 
in Ann Arbor on prime time. I wonder if that stays in that slot. Can they demote? You know how they like switch out the prime time slot in the NFL, right? Can they do that? Because I I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they did. I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah, I'm sure Bennett can tell that I'm pissed off. Um, no basketball, women's and men's basketball does not start until later in the year. Men's and women's soccer is underway though. Uh, the UW men's team is currently 3-0. and They beat UC Davis in their first game on the 26th of August, 2-1. to I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, in two overtimes, I'm catching everybody up because I have to admit it. I am behind on that. Uh, they beat Cal State Fullerton on the 29th, 4 to nothing, And they beat uh, Grand Canyon 2-0 uh, to nothing on the September 3rd. Their next match is September 10th versus Dartmouth at home. Um Oh, yes. And currently, UW is ranked fourth in the nation in men's soccer. Very good, boys. Very good. Um, hey, at least the soccer team is going good. The men's soccer team. That's just uh, the wrong football. Huh? It's just the wrong football. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we head over to women's soccer. The ladies are not having the best time right now. They are one and four on the season. Uh in their preseason match against North Carolina, they lost one to four. The preseason match against Duke, they lost one to two. Versus Loyola Marymount at home on the 29th, they won one to nothing. September 2nd, oh, this will make you happy. Uh, September 2nd, they lost to Portland, zero to one. Um, like University of? Yes. No kidding, the women's soccer team? Yes. Not a surprise. The little dinky anchor logo that i'm looking at right now yeah okay your logo is a w wait why is the steering wheel the the anchor is inside the steering wheel well yeah because we're the pilots that's not bad we drive boats that is not bad you used to have a hat like that forgot it like the first day of orientation oh man yeah (laughs) uh that's that would be a cool hat i'll give props um and you beat us, so I, I can't say anything. That, uh, September 5th. Huh? Is that here in Portland? No, that was here. Ah, okay. I was going to say, that would have been like a banger game, because I'm sure a lot of you want to win. September 5th, the team lost in New Mexico 1-2. to two. So the ladies have not had the easiest stretch. Um, UW Athletics is not making me happy. But we have to put things behind us. Uh, September 11th, the team plays Long Beach State here at home uh, at 4 p.m. So hopefully get a rebound there. Um, and then we head over to volleyball. Volleyball, not doing bad. Three and one on the season so far. They beat Ohio in the season opener three to nothing. They lost to Ohio State at Ohio State one to three. They beat Illinois three to one. And they beat Iowa three to one. Their next match is against uh, Pepperdine on the road on September 10th. They play Cal Poly on September 11th. And that is episode 100 of the Circling Sales Sports Podcast. Man. Holy moly, 100 episodes! It's so weird to think that I started doing this with just the Seahawks, and then we slowly built on, and then I added a co-host, and then I added another one. And then we we did this, we got the Seahawks now and the Mariners, 
and the Sounders and the Storm and the Kraken. We've got a fucking hockey team and the rain, which has been huge. And the Supersonics when they're back and the Dragons when they're back. And you'd have seven UW athletics teams, seven of them. Uh, and we've got two partners to the show. Oh, what a time. What a time. What a time indeed. Well, we have wrapped up the show. It is late. Bennett has to go nap nap time. I gotta write a paper. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um what is the most exciting thing that you are looking forward to at Rose City Comic Con? Anthony Starr. Are you gonna go? Um well are you gonna I get mean, a photo or an autograph or both? Uh, I think I might I think I might well that's a decision I gotta make COVID wise, but if I do go I'm either going to get an autograph or just meet him because he's a fantastic actor and I really look up to his craft. Bennett goes as sponsored by me because I cannot go and I am giving him my pass. Um, but I will make Bennett get whatever autograph I buy. Just I'll make him do it. Be like, hey, yeah, go do that. Um, but yeah, um, I want to thank all the individual listeners who come out every week and listen to the weekly show. Cause obviously, you know, usually more people listen to the interviews, uh, all the people who, you know, I want to thank all of the friends and family who listen to this, but also those who, whether you've just found it or you're a friend of a friend, you know, someone shared it, whether it was Bennett shared it or Amari shared it, you know, for sticking with us. Because obviously we're not, you know, we don't have a, we don't exactly have a big budget now, do we? Um, and the end of the day, it's just three college guys that are going through all these sports, uh, remembering all these pronunciations, right, Bennett? Lots of pronunciations, mm-hmm. lots of fun names. Um, and it's not always easy, especially when you lose to a goddamn FCS, FCS opponent or your Mariners lose 11 to two, mm-hmm. you know, but it's uh it's fun and we've got what five pro sports teams here what we got seahawks sounders rain mariners kraken storm rain i just said that oh six pro sports team some teams are in oklahoma imagine being in oklahoma i'm just kidding uh yeah a big thank you to everybody um this is incredible obviously would like to have omari but again all of our schedules are different um so until episode i mean it should be 101 unless something happens and i get an uh, interview before the weekends which i doubt i got a busy week uh we will see you for episode 101 on tuesday september 14th Woo! This has been Charles for Benat Bukols, and we will see you next week. Bennett, make a meow. Meow. Baba Bowie.